Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 143. Hope you're doing well today. We're going to be in John 17. But before that, I'm going to let you know about a cohort that I've been doing over the last six months with a group of guys, and I'm going to let you know how you can get access to that here in a little bit. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into that, and then John 17. Father, we just thank you for your grace to us. Every week, your grace is consistent, and it's there for us. It's there to empower us. It's there to remind us that we're yours in Christ Jesus. We thank you for that. Just been enjoying being the book of Galatians with our church, and I'm so thankful just to see week after week your faithfulness to us. And it's just such a great thing. And uh, I pray that we would remember that today. Um, No matter how our, our church, how things are going with the people we serve, God, right now, you are faithful, and we thank you for that. Lead me as I talk about John 17 and about the cohort. I trust that you're going to. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, guys, I hope you're doing well. Yesterday was Father's Day, and I tell you what, it is a great thing to be a dad, isn't it? It's so wonderful. If you're not a dad, pray that God would allow that, and if for some reason God never lets you be a dad, well, be a spiritual father, as Paul was to Timothy, and really invest in the lives of young men and watch God work. The world rages against patriarchy for two primary reasons. This is it. This is why. Number one, we're a fatherless land, and so our people, the people in the world, are angry at their father for not being there. Just think about that. They're angry at their father for not being there. That's why some of the rage is there towards patriarchy. And number two, they're jealous of those who have a good father because they want one desperately. We have a father-centered world, and people long for a good dad. That's why when you see one, everybody respects and admires that good father. So Father's Day is a wonderful thing, and I'm so thankful to be the dad of my my children, Ransom, Valor, and Providence. Jordan made the day so special yesterday. We got to eat brisket that was on the grill for, not the grill, the smoker for 18 hours, and then Jordan made a chocolate cheesecake that was delicious, had some family over, and overall, it was just a really wonderful day. We had a great day at church as well, had a lot of new faces and visitors just because they were there for Father's Day, but again, it's just a neat thing to see what, what God is doing at our church. We continue to God continues to, to give us people, and we're getting in this new building here July the 4th. That's the goal, and we're having to meet in a new building because we've outgrown the building we're in, and what a great problem to have. God's doing a real neat thing. I've never been a part of a growing church. I've always been a part of kind of churches that are either plateaued or, in some cases, somewhat declining, and here I am at 37, and I'm getting to see some really neat things. I've been in pastoral ministry now for about 13 or 14 years. I've never been in a season like this, and it's been a lot of fun. So excited to see what the Lord is going to continue to do. All right, we've been doing this cohort for the last six months. If you remember back, you know, I've done this for two years now. So if you remember back, the beginning of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, I did this and I'm going to continue to do this for the first six months of each year where people are invited in to be a part of a local cohort where if you live here locally, you can come to the house on the last Saturday of every month from January to June. Or you can jump in on a Zoom call, and we've had a group of, I think, uh, 10 or 12 guys that have been a part of this. And I've recorded each of these Zoom calls, and the theme this year was Courage to Stand Against All Enemies. And so each of the, 
Each of the sessions have focused in on one specific thing that has been an enemy of the church that's required courage to stand. And I've had my friends help me out with this. If you want to get access to this, we're going to make these courses available. And what we did is we charged, I think, $125 to be in the cohort. What we're going to do is charge $50 to give access to all these cohort sessions. Okay, so let me just read these real quick, and you can check this out for yourself if you'd like. If you just want to go to theshepherdscrook.co. Dr. Tom Askell, Bill Smith, Brian Sauvey, Michael Foster, and Eric Kahn all helped me out with this and jumped on these sessions and did a Q&A time as well and just did a, a 10 to 15 minute talk about each one of these. And then we had a really great dialogue back and forth with the guys about each one of these enemies of the church. So number one was theological liberalism. Number two was feminism and effeminate pastors and men within the church. Number three was abortion. Number four, Marxism. Number five, fake social justice. And number six, is going to be bad or shallow ecclesiology. And so if you want access to that cohort, then you can give me 50 bucks and I'll get you access to that. I'm still working out some of the details on that. And so if you do want to support that, you can get some, you can get, you can get that. Uh, also, I'm thinking about printing off some shirts. Jordan just made me this really neat Sparksman shirt for me and Ransom and Valor. And it has worship, work, protect, provide, lead, love. I'll, I'll show up. I'll have a picture of that in the show notes so you can check that out. And I'm thinking about just making a Shepherd's Crook logo with those six with those six words around it of biblical manhood. If you want one of those shirts, let me know and I'll I'll see if I can get some of those printed. And uh, that'll probably be like 20 bucks or something. I don't know. But anyways, let's get to John 17. All right, John 17. If we just take modern sensibilities <clears throat> and we take about we take the emotional the emotional pulse of our day and we put that, inject that into the biblical text, and we just take modern emotional health of the average American and plop it down in the gospel story, what you would find over and over again, or even the modern evangelical mind, what you would find over and over again, you know what, that probably would be a better thing to really zero in on, the modern evangelical mind of what a Christian is supposed to be like, and put that right in the gospel story, just through the gospel of John, which we've been going through, and what would happen over and over again is that modern evangelical mind would find itself offended time and time again by Jesus. And I see this, we just went to the Southern Baptist Convention this last week, and I see this where the 11th commandment that people talk about, about the Southern Baptist Convention, is a real thing. Where you're not supposed to talk negatively about another Southern Baptist. You're not supposed to call out names of other Southern Baptists that are doing bad things. It's just some, some sort of weird, uh, it's, not, it's not real unity at all. It's, it's a false unity. And what ends up happening is over and over again, unity is elevated at the expense of truth. And if you know about unity, unity is actually supposed to be centered around the truth. We rally around the truth. That's where you that's where true unity happens. So here's the truth. We all unify around that and we lay down our presuppositions, we lay down whatever it may be and we rally around the actual truth. That has been substituted for this weird kind of unity that's just be nice to each other, uh, well, or actually, you know, talk trash about each other and then say you're being nice to each other if you're on the left side of things within the SBC or on the so-called moderate side. You just gaslight and then call it unity. <laughs> it's, it's really ironic. So if you just take yourself and put yourself in John 17, according to modern sensibilities, you get offended by Jesus over and over again. Here's what I've really wanted to zero in on because I think the battle that's in front of us, this getting this right is so crucial. Jesus was qualified, according to 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1, as a pastor. He is wisdom personified. Jesus is pastoral ministry 
personified. And if we don't get that right, we're not going to actually fight the battles that need to be fought. And it is crucial in 2021, it's going to be crucial moving forward, that we have all the tools in our toolkit. And as we look to be like Jesus and shepherd like Jesus, we don't want to continually call for false kinds of unity. We want to prophetically speak to the world the truth, and we want to rally around the truth and have true unity. We need the wisdom of Christ, and we need the character of Christ as we move forward. Okay, here's something that I found interesting in in John. Here's what Jesus said. I have manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. This is about election. This is a, the eternal covenant where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in cahoots together to redeem a people. God the Father chose through election a bride out of the world. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. That's the bride given to Christ through the eternal decree. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know the truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. Listen to this. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I want you to take note of this. When you see verse 6 down through verse 19, this is it's pretty interesting where, where the world is spoken of in very negative terms. We're, we're not praying for the world. We're not caring about the world. And then in verse 20 down through 26, we see that the goal, as Jesus is talking about, is that the world may know that I have loved them, even loved the world. Not in the same way that Jesus has loved his bride or those given to him out of the world, but it is clear that from 20 to 26, there is some sort of transition in how Jesus speaks about the world. But I want to focus on verses 16 through 18, and if you'll read this yourself in John 17, you'll see this. That Jesus' focus is on his bride, on those who have been given him out of the world, and his focus is not on the world. We get so offended in this mission-driven world, and, and you see this within the Southern Baptist Convention. This is still fresh in my mind, so this is kind of all applying to that situation as I'm thinking through John 17. One of the things that you'll notice is there is a massive mission drive within the Southern Baptist Convention, within a lot of denominational endeavors, is there's this hyper-focus on the mission of God. Now, the mission of God is a very, very good thing. But one of the things I've seen happen within the SBC for sure is an elevation above of mission above worship. Okay, mission and cultural capital and care for the world and the world is watching. You heard me mention that in the episode last week, the bonus episode about the convention, where the focus, the hyper focus is on the world. And if you look at what Jesus is talking about in this prayer from 6 through 18, his focus is on those who have been given to him out of the world. His focus isn't on the world. You see Jesus' focus and even the focus throughout the whole New Testament in the disciples and all the apostles is the people of God. It's not the world. They viewed the world as being an absolute opposition to the things of God. The world was not something that was to be won over through any sort of means other than loving each other and proclaiming the gospel. The world was hostile to God, and friendship with the world was enmity with God. And when the Apostle John wrote that, that friendship with the world is enmity with God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's right in line with the things that Jesus said about the world. The world is not your friend. The world is the enemy of God and the enemy of the people of God. Now, we proclaim the gospel to lost, rebellious sinners that are in the world following the prince of the power of the air. In fact, we were all once a part of that. But if you focus on 
But if you focus on the world so much that you actually love the world and you care for the world, and we're even told do not love the world or love the things of the world, when you so focus your endeavors on the world, what ends up happening is you disobey God to not offend the world. And that's what we've seen over and over and over again. A failure to distinguish the world from those who have been chosen out of the world the way Jesus talks about it has led to so much church catastrophe from church to church and denomination to denomination in the last year and a half because we have not had proper definitions and distinctions about what our role is in the world and what our role is to care for those who have been chosen out of the world. So guys, I just want you to think about that. That's food for thought. Are we mission-centered or are we worship-centered? You know, John Piper said it this way, and I think it's so, so crucial, and I would encourage you to think about this. Missions exist because worship doesn't. The goal of our mission to the world, the goal, the goal of evangelism, is not simply that people would be saved. It's not that the people that people would like us. We've been chosen out of the world, and we know that the world is not going to like us because they didn't like Jesus. Jesus even said this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And much of our evangelistic and missiological efforts has been devoted to making the world not hate us. Guys, that that just is not going to happen. That goes against the words of Christ. The world is going to hate us until some of them who are God-haters and church-haters are born again by the Spirit of God through the preaching of the gospel of the people of God. So God's men know those distinctions, and we know how to shepherd in a world gone crazy. Clown world is going to keep clowning. They're going to continue to be crazy, and we are going to be, by the grace of God, bold enough to love those who have been chosen out of the world, know that hatred is going to come, and then preach the gospel to the world. Hope you have a great week.